I am here at Watermark, uh, do the parking team. When I'm not here and doing this, I have got a small child that I drag around with me everywhere, including a dog, too. So that's a little bit about me and my background. We'll get in a little bit more into that as we go. But I do want to make sure we introduce Ginger. Ginger's on staff here at Watermark, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about herself and then what she does here at Watermark. Uh, my name is Ginger Lord, and I'm the coordinator for Starting Blocks, which is the Sunday ministry to all kids, zero to kindergarten. Um, and I've been on staff here at Watermark for about um, a little over a year and a half now. Um, absolutely love my job. I recognize a lot of faces in the room um, from either volunteering with me or other places that I've met you. Um, personally, I am I'm married to David. We've been married for 22 years, and we have three incredible kids um, who are out of the toddler years ages 9, uh, 11, and 14. So yes, you can survive. And um, uh, so as looking at this talk, I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be the expert in this, but it's been a long time. So um, I am here for color commentary today. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to add a few things uh, to what uh, Chris and Amy are teaching. So thanks for being here. Perfect. Guys, before we get started, let's just open us up. If you're okay with that, I'm going to start us off just a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here today. and Thank you so much for surrounding us with people that want to be better parents and are striving to do this biblically. Uh, thank you for a church that provides a venue for us to come and discuss this and have a forum where we can talk about these things and work through issues that we're having and look for new ways to teach our children. Lord, Amy and I come before you this morning just humble servants, knowing that we're not experts in this, that there was one perfect Father, uh, and you were that. I pray that you uh, give us the words today to lead and take this in the direction that you would have us go. I pray that you bless our time, and as Kyle mentioned, that we all leave here with one thing that we can go back and implement in our families immediately that would make an impact for you and all that you do for us. Amen. Well, guys, as I mentioned uh, in prayer, definitely not an expert in this field. And Amy and I don't claim to be experts in this field. In fact, I, I see some of the people in this room, and I, I kind of grin and smile that I see stuff that y'all do with your kids occasionally in some of these families, and I think, ooh, I like the way Mike did that with the kids. That was pretty cool. Do you see how the Haggards handled that situation? That's what we need to do. So, guys, as we come before you, we're not experts. We're trying to do this. We're struggling just like you. We think we're struggling well. The one thing that I do have confidence in is that we're doing it the best of our ability in a biblical way. So a couple of things that I want to lay out for you today. We're going to go ahead and go through some scripture at the beginning. We're going to cover a little bit more into Deuteronomy that Kyle had gotten in. And I'm going to give you a couple of other verses because I think whatever we're doing, if we're striving to do this well, and we're doing it the way the Lord wants us, that we're going to be blessed in that. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be perfect. But at least we're struggling well. So we'll cover that. And then as we get through some of that, and we get our base down, then we're going to move to a little bit higher camp, so to speak. And we're going to try to give you some applications that you can take away. Kyle said that the one goal for the session is try to find one thing that you can take out of this and go back and implement immediately. So we're going to try to give you a couple of different things that you can take away and something that you might find success with at home. A lot of the personal stories we're going to share with you are things that we've done with our children that have worked. Don't necessarily mean that is always the right way to do it, or it may not even work with your child. So just some food for thought as we get ready to start with this. Like I said, guys, definitely not experts in this field. 
We do have a little bit of experience with a toddler. We are currently, right now, I can get the slide to go, on version 1.0. This is Lauren. Uh, she is a blast. Scared me to death when I found out I was having a little girl. I was one of those guys. I'm a guy. I've only known guys. I've gotten a girl to stay with me. Been fairly successful with that, but it's been a lot of effort. So having a little girl petrify me, I was like, what in the world am I going to do with this child? I can't take this child rock climbing. This child will climb a rock like a monkey. So if we've got guys in the room that are facing the fact that, whoa, I've got a little girl I'm petrified to death, rest easy. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is a blast. Version 1.0 now. Amy's sitting down and we're in stools because it's a little bit more comfortable because we're actually currently working on version 2.0. This is our 2.0 actually. So this little girl is going to be joining us in late October. So we're uh, well on our way to starting another toddler uh, adventure. Now we felt like we've done okay with Lauren. We feel like we're going to maybe do a little bit better job with version 2.0 because we've had a little practice with 1.0. But like probably a lot of you in the class, we got started with this and we got married and we waited a while. Amy and I waited probably about eight years before we had Lauren. And we noticed parents and we saw how they did things and we thought in our head, well, that can't be the right way to do it. We know a better way to do that. And then we moved on to a test subject. This was our beta version. <laughs> Some of you in the room know our beta version. This is Lance. This is our yellow lab. And he is a great dog. He comes when you tell him to come. He sits when you tell him to sit. He stays most of the time unless food's involved. And then he'll usually follow. He has developed a strong liking for Cheerios, which if you have kids and dogs, they will also develop the love for Cheerios. But we felt like we did a pretty good job with him. And all kidding aside, some of the things that we did with Lance that made him a great lab are some of the same things that we've done with Lauren that have set us up for success. Uh, one thing Amy's going to talk about a lot is consistency. And that's one thing that, believe it or not, if you've done a dog and you've trained a dog and you've had to be consistent, that's one of the big things that's going to help you as you start down this path with a toddler. So go ahead and jump into this a little bit. Guys, our goal for this the biblical goal for parenting as the Watermark Family Ministry is kind of laid out. And I'm going to kind of follow a lot of what they've laid out because this is great stuff. Kyle and the staff have done a phenomenal job putting this information together. Your primary goal as a parent is to model a life of full devotion to Christ. You want to live in such a way that your children find it easy to believe that God loves them and that His way is the best way. And the way that you do that is how you model your life. Things you do are going to be the things that they want to do, especially at this toddler age. Now, you're going to, I'm sure, get to an age in high school. I hear the stories. I'm not there yet where they want to do what you're not doing. If you're going somewhere, they maybe want to go somewhere else. But as a toddler, you hung the moon, folks. I mean, these kids want to do what you do. So you've got a very unique opportunity to pattern some really good things for them. So the biblical goal of parenting there. And then when we talk about parenting, you know, you think of what characteristics it's going to take to do this and do this well. When Amy and I were thinking about it, courage was one of the things that we thought about. Now, a lot of people think of courage and they're thinking, you know, it's a small toddler. How dangerous can they be? This doesn't seem that bad. You know, when I think of courage, I, you know, maybe think of this. Face jumping. Definitely takes a little bit of courage. Maybe takes a little bit of crazy as well, but definitely courageous. 
Or you think of this, you know, rock climbing. You know, courage. Strap yourself to a very small 9mm rope. Trust that that's going to catch you when you fall, because you will fall. But a lot of times people don't think of this. <laughs> this takes courage, guys. This is a pink fairy outfit. It took some doing for me to get used to it. Love the pink fairy outfit. I have had the wings on occasionally because she gets a kick out of it. It's fun. You just have to have fun with this. So courage was one thing. You know, another word that we thought of was patience. Most parents will agree. Patience is a big part of this. You know, when I started thinking of patience before kids, I was like, surfer, waiting for the perfect wave. Amy and I had a chance to go to Hawaii for our 10-year anniversary and picked up surfing. Not real good at it, but I tried really hard. Set out there, and as a wave came, I paddled like a madman and tried to catch a wave, rode it in. And I'd go right back out, and the next wave would come, I'd paddle like a madman and go back out. And then I noticed all the locals were sitting out there, and for every five or six waves I'd try to catch, they'd ride one. They waited for that one perfect wave to come along. So they were waiting for patience. Something else I'd like to do, K2. Love to go out and see this mountain. Don't know that I want to climb all the way up to the top, but I'd love to go look at base camp. Base camp's an interesting area for these guys. They'll go out and they want to climb this mountain. Once you're at high camp and then you go to the summit, it's about a one-day trip. Maybe a couple of days, depending on weather. These guys will spend four to five months sleeping in these little tents, waiting for the one perfect window of weather that'll give them an opportunity to get to the top of this thing. You know, patience, when you have a toddler, looks like this a lot of times. This is, we're learning to eat on our own at this point. So it takes a little bit of practice. So definitely some patience there. And then the last thing I thought of was endurance. Tour de France, I have to throw that thing up. It's a lot of miles on a bike. Those bike seats, if you have noticed, are not very big. This does not look like the seat in your SUV that you're riding around town. So definitely takes a lot of endurance there. Haggard, this picture's for you, my friend. The Iron Man. This takes a ton of endurance. You're going to go out and swim miles. I may go water skiing and not drive miles all day. You're going to swim miles. Then you're going to come back and you're going to ride over 100 miles on a bike. Again, the very small bike seat. And then you're going to go out and do a marathon after that. This is also endurance. Guys, when they're right here, you are about to start a journey that's going to take you a while. And it is an awesome journey. And a great responsibility that the Lord's given you. This is one of His greatest gifts to us. With this little one right here, I have the ability to impact two and three generations to come. You know, my actions at home are going to be the things she sees and the things that she patterns after. And then she's going to have kids one day, good Lord willing. And she's going to pattern those things. And if I've set that bad example, sometimes those things carry on. So you have to break that cycle sometimes. I have the ability right now to set that right cycle in place. So definitely something with endurance. This is going to take a while and you just kind of have to hunker down, fasten your seatbelt and get ready for the journey. As Kyle talked about, uh, got into some of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is what the family ministry uses a lot to set a great base layer. This is what you can build off of. So guys, I want to go through a little bit of this and give you some of this information right now. Now I'm going to break it up in a couple of different chunks for you. I'm going to cover one through three and then we're going to go into a little bit on what it is what it's telling us to do, and then what is the goal for that. So as we look at it, it says, Now this is a commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson, that's where the generations come in there, 
may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life. Not just for a little bit, but all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly. Just as the Lord, your God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. So guys, when we break that down, verse 1 through 3 really gives us a lot of information on why we teach, why we're called to do this. So a couple of points there. It's a commandment. It's not one of those things that, hey, do this if it seems appropriate. Do this if your child has had a nap and things are going well in the afternoon. It's do this all the time. And there's a link between the obedience of us doing this and blessing. Do this so that you may benefit, that you may multiply. Not talking about financial gain, but we're talking about eternity here and the things that you can impact there. So why teach? The answer, so we'll prosper. Next verse, 4-5. through five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So if we look at that and break that down a little bit, what to teach? We teach full devotion. Full devotion to Christ, that we are followers of Christ. And we teach that love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Guys, this is a 100% thing. We do this to the best of our ability, with our mind, body, and soul. Why teach? We teach so that they can pattern that full devotion. Next verse that we look at, 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. We look at that. Keys to teaching your kid your own spiritual transformation. Guys, your kids, your toddlers, these little ones watching your every move are going to pattern, like I said, how you live your life. If you live a life of full devotion and you're showing them that God impacts you and that God's way is the best way, they're going to pattern that too. They're going to look for that and they're going to build on that. And that sets a great foundation for them. And then the last verses that we'll look at, 7 through 9. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. All the time, guys. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. So if we look at that, how to teach, focus time. And Amy's going to tell you a little bit about like, in looking for teachable moments. If you're not looking for these teachable moments, guys, they will fly by and pass you. The nice thing about it, they're toddlers, they're probably going to give you another teachable moment. So if you miss an opportunity, don't stress about this. They tend to do the same things over and over, so you're going to get another chance. But look for those teachable moments. So if we ask ourselves, why teach? You know, and how to teach, we do it consistently and out of an overflow of our heart. Do it all the time to the best of your ability. Now, as we look at that, I want to give you one more verse before we get into some of the more practical application stuff that you can use right now when you go back. When you're parenting toddlers, it can be a daunting task sometimes. You're not called to do this alone. You know, husbands and wives work together. If you're a single mom or dad, you've got community around you. Kyle talked about the importance of having that community and finding those groups. When Amy and I are working through something, we work with our community group. We've had a ton of conversations with the Haggards on what do we do here? What have you all done? What have you found success doing? So we're not called to do this alone. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 kind of talks about this and backs this up for us. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down with no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Guys, a neat thing that I got to do uh, about a year or so ago, uh, I got to go up and climb Mount Rainier with some of the guys and had a blast doing this. I had climbed a lot of the 14ers in Colorado and I had done some rope work before, but I had never done rope work over a glacier. So when you get up to about 10,000 feet and you get ready to go on, you strap on your big boots, you strap on your crampons, you carry your ice axe with a purpose now. It's not just something that kind of looks cool on your backpack. And you're walking along and you've got your harness on and you tie in. And then you tie into the guy behind you, and the guy behind him, and the guy behind him. And you always travel in teams of four. The reason being, even with those crampons and your ice axe, you're walking on a glacier. It's basically ice. Large cracks, look down a couple of hundred feet, a little unnerving. You're going to slip and fall at some time. And when you slip and fall, you're connected to those guys behind you. They keep you from falling all the way down the mountain. The shortfall turns into not that big of a deal. This is what you're called to do biblically. Tie yourself in a good group of folks that are around you that can help you through this. You don't have to struggle through this alone. The Lord's there. He's given you great direction. And then he's also told you to hook up with some folks that can help you in the day-to-day life. So definitely I can't talk enough about how big community plays a part in this. Now, a couple of things now. We'll get into a little bit more of the application. So covering some of the spiritual development, and I'm going to let AIM take a little bit of this. She's got, uh, she didn't allude to it before, but AIM was in education field before, still works in education with kids, uh, spends quite a bit of time with the kiddos up here. So she has better knowledge of this than I do. But guys, I'll take that opportunity right now to tell you, got to be active and you've got to play a part in this. This is not one of those things, and I don't always do this well. Jason can tell you that. I have to be an engaged partner this whole time. And you can't be engaged enough. I mean, do this consistently. Amy definitely does a better job with Lauren than I do at times. But I need to try to be there as much as I can. If nothing else, just for the support and the fact that I'm roped into her in this. Okay, guys. The first thing we're going to talk about is uh, spiritual development and just some ways to prepare their hearts. Um, If you've got toddlers right now, this is something you can definitely implement now. Um, If you've got some that are coming up, you've maybe got that 9-month-old or the 12-month-old, you can definitely um, put this into play too. The very first thing is just to be consistent. And you're going to hear this over and over and over again. Uh, I think consistency is one of the main things that helps with a toddler. That means in everything you do, in your actions, in your language, in your boundaries. Uh, I remember when I was trying to teach Lauren to, to stop and look at me, I would say, Lauren... Stop and look at mommy. I would use those exact same words every time. And it wasn't one time. It wasn't ten times. I felt like it was a hundred times that I would tell her that. And finally, after a couple of months, I'd say, Lauren, stop and look at mommy. She'd put down whatever she was doing, and she'd turn around and look at me. That's one thing. You've got to be consistent. When you have those boundaries, when you draw that line in the sand, you've got to stick with it. And uh, no, Chris wanted to talk a little bit about. Yeah. And guys, this is something that you have to say. And I, I told you, you've got to be yoked together in this. Consistency with Amy giving a consistent message to Lauren every single time is great. If I come in and I give a little bit different 
answer or a different reaction and she gets a different feedback from me, that almost undoes some of the stuff that Amy's done. So you really have to be tied together on this. We had Lance, you saw a picture of a little bit earlier ago when he was a pup. We decided, you know, one of the big things for us is I don't want him to run in the road. So first time he ran in the road after the ball, I got on him. The second time he ran in the road after the ball, Amy got on him. Third time, we both got on him. Fourth time, he sat down at the curb and kind of looked at us and asked, you know, hey, is someone going to go get the ball that's across the alley because I'm not going over there again. So the consistency that you have together is something that's going to help with this as well. When Lauren's doing something and Amy tells her, you know, it's time for bath, she gives her a one-minute warning and then she comes to me and wants to read a book, I reinforce the fact that, well, we've got one minute. We'll read as much as we can in a minute, but we're giving her that consistent message. Mm-hmm. And the next thing is just be consistent about making God part of your everyday lives. Um, I, I think Kyle kind of alluded that to that. When you wake up in the morning... You talk about God. When you're eating breakfast, you talk about Him. When you're going to play group, when you're playing on the playground. And one thing, if you are filled up and have God's Word in your heart, it makes it much easier then to talk about God and have Him as a part of your life. The next one is just to model God's love as you show love to your child. This is kind of a continuum. When they start off and they're really little and they they can't really talk to you or really interact much, they're definitely observing you. They're watching what you do. So you talk to them when you bathe them, when you dress them, when you're feeding them. You constantly talk to them, and they're observing you. And then the next step comes, and they start to ask questions about it. Now, Mommy, why are we praying? What does prayer mean? What are we doing? So they kind of have that curiosity. And then it comes into um, they want to imitate you, and that is exactly what toddlers are doing. I'll tell Lauren, hey, Lauren, Mommy loves God. Do you love God? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I love God too. You know, I just tell her that's what we're going to do, and she wants to imitate that. And that's a perfect thing for them. And they see what you're doing, they want to do it too. The next one is just connecting where they are and what they're interested in. Um, One thing we really try to do is we pray together as a family at night, and we kind of have our routine. We read two books, and then we read a Bible story, and then Chris comes in and we pray. And we make those prayers personable. You know, Lauren's working on potty training, so we talk about that. You know, if she wouldn't have had a great day at school, we talk about that. We make it personable to her so she's more interested in it. We ask her, hey, Lauren, what are you thankful for? You know, it's usually what she's done that day. I got to go swimming, or I got to hang out with Nana. You know, she wants to be engaged in that, and it makes it much easier for us. If your child is interested in bugs, go outside with them and collect bugs. Look at bugs. Look how God made them each different. Talk about the purpose behind them. Just wherever they are. I think you have to be flexible with that. You know, you may have this perfect thing if you think, okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to have 30 minutes. We're going to play with the dollhouse. It's going to be great. We're going to interact. And I have this this huge goal and this vision of what it's going to be like. Your child may sit there for two minutes and then be like, no, I'm done. And want to move over to something else. You have to be flexible for that. They're young. They have an attention span of a gnat. Now they move back and forth. You have to do that. You have to be flexible with it. Uh, And I can't stress enough the flexibility that you're going to face in your life or you're already seeing right now because I've done that. Uh, People in the room will tell you, I'm a planner. You know, whenever you get ready to go on a trip, I make a list, five, six pages. It's perfect. It tells me exactly what I'm going to take, why I would take that in case I forget why I'm packing it. 
You know, so as I get ready to do stuff with Lauren, a lot of times I'll see something and I'll be like, ooh, I saw someone do that. I want to do that. This is going to be the plan for today. We're going to start here. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. And this will be the lesson we learn. We get here and she decides she didn't want to be here. So you got to have that flexibility. The best laid plans, guys, will be adopted and changed. So okay. just work with the moments like you have. You can find a teachable moment in almost every area. And the next one is just teaching obedience. Um, teaching them that they need to be obedient to God because God loves them, and they need to be obedient to you because you love them. We actually teach Lauren that word. We use the word obey with her. Are you obeying mommy? And we love the are you obeying right away, all the way, with a happy heart. And we use that consistent language with her all the time. And we can even ask her now, Lauren, are you obeying mommy? No, not right away. Okay, and we, we, I mean, this started, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, we started when she was little using the same consistent language with her, and we can see she's making some improvements with that. And the last one is just um, to keep learning creative, keep it energetic. Um, there's lots and lots of resources here at Watermark. Um, the playbook is a great one. Um, if you're not familiar with that, it takes the lesson that your child learns on Sunday and really um, makes it actionable. They can take it throughout the week, have some good activities there to really bring that home with them. The other one is the Building Blocks Ministry. Everything that, all those speakers that they have, you can listen to them on Watermark Radio. There's some great ideas there. You can take away one or two things um, that really make that learning exciting. And then on the building block stuck, a couple of things at the end. We're going to give you some of those resources where you can get some of that information and then some opportunities to connect immediately. And then we've got some folks from Building Blocks that are in here that will be up here with us as well at the end to help address any questions, where you find those resources, the best way to do that, and then how to get plugged in. The next thing we want to cover is just what are they ready to learn? What can they grasp at this age? And it's basically broken down into three main areas, the knowing, the loving, and the living. Um, They can know truths about God. They can know that God exists. They can know... Um, that God loves them, they can know that Jesus loves them, and that they can know that God um, wants to take care of them. Those are some good truths that they can grasp at this age. They can also start having a very basic relationship with God, especially if you model that prayer with them. They can definitely have that. Um, Go ahead. And guys, that's something that we started really early that if I had everything to go back and do over, I would definitely keep doing that. When Lauren was just an infant, we prayed over her at night. Amy and I got together and just prayed for this child that we had that we had been blessed with. And then as she's gotten older, we continue to say our prayers at night. And that's become a pattern. It's something we do every single night. If I'm out of town, I try to call in for it. Uh, But we do that consistently, and it's been fun to see now that she wants to get involved. You know, what do you want to pray for tonight? And a lot of times it's what you'd expect a toddler, your Cheerios. Great. I found yogurt Cheerios this week. This is great. So, you know, it's her things, but you praise her for that. She's finding things that she found value in. Well, that's what we're praying for. We pray for the things that we're finding value in and the things that we want to build. So I encourage you to do that. That's one thing is I'm trying to give you some application stuff as we go. That's one thing that's been extremely successful for us. And she sees that pattern of prayer in her life and the fact that mom and dad know that that's important and we do it every night. And we do also like to say, hey, you know, who loves you? And we've taught her that mommy and daddy love her and that, and that Jesus loves her. And so we can even ask her that now. Lauren, who loves you? Mommy, daddy, and Jesus. And she usually throws in Lance, too. 
um, for the dog. But that's just something we, we want her to know that. We want her to be very secure that she knows that we love her and that God loves her too. And the last one there is just living out. Um, you can be all God wants you to be and you can do all that God wants you to do. Um, just the being there, God wants them to be kind, wants them to be gentle. Now, they're not going to know that right off the bat. They don't know what the word kind means. They don't know what the word gentle means. You have to teach them that. When we were teaching more on how to interact and play with Lance, she was very rough at the beginning, you know, pulling on the ears, pulling on the tail. And several times you have to get down on her level, grab her hand, Lauren, this is what you do when you, when you pat. You're very gentle. And it's not one time. Not ten times. You do it over and over and over again. But you're very consistent in what you do. And the last one is just, God wants you to do all that you can do. God wants you to be excited about going to church. and Making that a priority. Making it exciting for her. You know, Lauren had some separation anxiety like every toddler does. But we tried to make it exciting. She loved snacks. We talked about snack. You know, you get to have fishies. That's that's a huge thing for her. Um... You get to be in class with some of your friends. That was a big thing also. And one of the things on the separation anxiety, if if anyone else has gone through that, I'm sure most of you have or are going to, this can be kind of trying. I was a little bit stressed about the fact that my child goes crazy when I leave. And it's neat. I kind of build you up. But still, (laughs) you feel very bad for the people that you're leaving her with. Best of luck with that. We'll see you in a little bit. We're going to go grab dinner. So as you deal with that, again, the consistency is going to be huge with that. And one thing that we found successful, not everyone finds it successful, but we did, is we'd tell Lauren that we were going to go. We didn't get in a room and hand her to someone and while she was playing with a toy duck out. Because her little mind, we felt like she maybe thinks we're still here somewhere and she would look. And I noticed that when Amy would go to the grocery store and I'd get to spend some time with Lauren as Lauren would look through the house. Where's mommy? I want to find mommy. What we found some success in is, hey, mommy's going to go to the store. Let's go tell mommy bye. We'd go to the garage. We'd wave at mommy goodbye. We'd watch the car go down the alley. We'd talk a little bit about mommy coming back. And then we'd go back in. And she did okay with that. Still had some struggles every now and then. But that was one of those things that worked well for us. We just were quite honest with her and told her, we're going to go, but we're going to come back. They do figure this out, guys. They'll figure out that you'll be back. Now we drop her off. She runs in the room. We're like, can I get a hug? So she, they get past it. And one thing we did do with her also is she has a lovey. Um, we have multiple loveys. There is a like a stuffed dog, and we got five of them. So if we happen to lose one or leave one somewhere else, it's not drama at our house. Um, we introduce them all at the same time, so she doesn't really know a difference with that. And that has been very helpful because we do sometimes leave them over at a friend's house or somewhere else, but. We've got multiple ones that we can substitute in there, and she doesn't know a difference. Yeah, and, and it's shocking that they notice when you add a new one into the mix that these yeah. aren't the same ones. This one's a little shiny and new. So, yeah, if you can get them all at the same time and introduce them, that's been something that's worked for us. And then God wants you to be or do all that you can do. Uh, again, talking about God wants you to obey parents. God wants you to go to church. God wants you to share and take turns. This is a hard, hard concept for this age. Um, we try to prepare Lauren for as much success as possible when she's going to have to share her toys and take turns. Um, we talk about it a lot. Um, we remind her every time some friend's coming over, hey, Lauren, 
you know, Courtney's coming over. We're going to have to share our toys and take turns. What are we going to do? Share our toys and take turns. You know, that sort of thing. And we just, we build her up for success as much as possible. And then after the friend leaves, if she's done a good job, even if she has it, if she shared for one minute, you praise them for that. We show them good signs of affection. You know, high five, hugs, that sort of thing. You did such a great job. You build them up because that's the behavior you want to see in them. Okay, guys, the next thing we're going to spend is just all those developmental milestones. We've talked about the spiritual ones, but we can't, you know, leave that in isolation. We have to talk about everything that's going on with your child right now, and there's lots and lots of things. Um, Physically, language and cognitive, and cognitive is just all that brain functioning, all that learning that's going on, social uh, development, and then emotional development. And guys, this was one of my favorite things, and laughing with Kyle Kegler as we were talking about doing this session, he talked about one of the things that he just loved when his kids were little and would go to the doctor was, of course, the fact that the doctor was going to check them, make sure the child was healthy. But then the doctor would sit them down and go, hey, congratulations, you made it through a year. Here's your next set of challenges that you're going to run to. It kind of set those expectations. So that's kind of how we've set up the second part of the presentation that we'll go through is we're going to give you some of those things. Here's what you've seen, and then here's what you can expect to see. And as Amy will agree, the difference between a one-year-old and a two-year-old and a three-year-old is very dramatic. So we've broken this out into here's stuff that they can do one to two, here's stuff from two to three. So we can kind of go through some of those. So what we want to do is kind of set you up for success with some of the things that you're either working through right now or some of the things that are on their way. And we've talked about there in your handouts, we've given you um, some good application stuff and then also ways to kind of boost their brain development um, in each one of those areas. So if you kind of thumb through your your handouts, you can see those there. All right, we're going to start off with um, those physical milestones. And obviously, the biggest thing that happens here is they start to learn how to walk. And then the walking leads to the climbing, leads to the running, lots and lots of running, lots and lots of running. Um, One thing here is just to really kind of set some boundaries early with that, Um, especially if you're getting them out of the car and they like to dart out um, across the parking lot because they have this newfound freedom that they can do, uh, teaching them to, you know, stick their hand on the side of the car. You know, it's like glue until mommy takes it away. Again, the consistency every time you get out of the car. Even with Lauren, I tell her, okay, I'm getting you out of the car. Stay here, right, stay right by mommy. And that's every time I get out of the car, I remind her of that. Um, and I like, I like that sticking the hand on the car. That's, that's another good one that I've, I've seen used a lot. And then the climbing comes. They will climb on everything. They'll climb on the couch. They'll climb on the chairs. They'll climb on the bed. They'll climb on the table. They'll push a chair over to the counter, climb up on the chair, climb up on the counter. Um, so they just have that newfound freedom that they like. And again, just setting those boundaries that you like um, there. And guys, when you set the boundaries, think about what you like at your house for your boundaries, but also think about what you would want them to do or not to do when you go to someone's house. I always get a kick when we go to a dinner party at someone's house. There's always the one little child that's climbing on the couch, jumping off the back to the chair. That was me as a child. But you see some of the parents get a little bit upset, and they're like, oh, so they apologize for them climbing on the couch, but they'll do it at home. These toddlers will not understand the difference between what they can do at home and what they can do somewhere else. So if you're going to let them climb on the couch at home, be ready for them to climb on the couch at a friend's house. And if your friends are great with that, no big deal. But don't set expectations for yourself that they'll do something here, and then they're going to do something completely different when we go out. They'll have their manners at home. 
and then they're going to have their outside manners. That concept comes a little bit later. We've tested it several times, still not successfully getting it to work. So I'm pretty sure as a toddler, they just don't get that yet. Um, and also with the physical is just that fine motor development. Um, they're wanting to start to color, to scribble. Um, you have to be careful about that. They want to color on everything, the walls, the chairs, the furniture. Um, and teaching them that where do you color? You color on the paper. And that's another thing, that consistency. Every time we get out colors, Lauren, where do we color? We color on the paper. Okay? Just letting them know that, that consistency of what are her expectations with this. And another thing is those, those fine motor skills are just starting to develop. So getting those larger size um, crayons really helps with that, and kind of bridging that gap and really learning how to do some of those, those strokes that you'll see as they get older. Again, me being more of an outside guy, I don't color as much inside. I tend to get stuff everywhere as much as Lauren does. But I've gotten the sidewalk chalk. If you haven't found sidewalk chalk, oh, this stuff is great. I have become an expert at drawing monkeys. Lauren loves monkeys, so we draw a mommy monkey and a daddy monkey and a Lance monkey. It doesn't matter. Everything's a monkey. But they make those gigantic sidewalk chalks. Those are great because they fit her hand. She can kind of use them. So that's something that's a ton of fun and also really helps develop some of those motor skills as well. And we still have that same consistency when she's outside. Where do we color? We color on the sidewalk. We don't color on the house. We don't color on the grill, um, which she's tried Definitely to do. not the yes. grill. <laughs> <laughs> which she has tried to do. And as they get older into that two and three range, they really want to start to dress and undress themselves. And so teaching, where is it appropriate to undress? It's not appropriate to undress at the grocery store. You need to do that do that at home. So again, that's something that you can't expect to come up, especially when they hit that two and a half to three, where they have that new front they can unzip and take the shirt off and um, all that excitement that comes with it. And pick your battles on these things. A lot of times Amy will come up here to work children's and she'll be up here earlier and I don't have to be in the parking lot until a little bit later, so I'm responsible for getting Lauren dressed. <coughs> Amy has usually laid out a very nice outfit. Sometimes that outfit is the one that we make it up here in, and a lot of times it's not. And sometimes it's that outfit, but it's rain boots. You, you have to pick your battles. What are the big things? Is it that important that they have on the dress with nine pink bows as opposed to the one white one that was set out and they've got the rain boots on? You know, everyone else downstairs or everyone else that has a toddler is going to see that and go, hey, I've picked that battle before and lost. So, you know, don't worry about that. Pick what things are going to be important. Find the hills that you want to defend. Definitely. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about language and that's cognitive development. And another big thing that happens here is just that ability to speak. When they start off in one to two, it's more simple words and phrases. And then when you get up into that two to three, it's four more word sentences and you can carry on a conversation with them. Um, usually somewhere around two-ish you'll have a big language explosion for, for most kids where they, all that talking that you've been doing to them really starts to come out. But there's a big, big variation here and unfortunately guys, boys usually develop a little slower than girls. Um, so if you have a boy and they're not quite there yet, that's fine. Usually when they get to that preschool four and five year old age, it all kind of levels out some. And some kids may develop, they have their, their fine and gross motor skills may be off the chart and they are concentrating on that, but then their language skills may be a little bit more delayed. It's fine, it all kind of evens out. Now if they're significantly delayed, then that's where the, your concern is, but you know, if you've got a kid that may just is not that big of a talker, 
it's fine. They're still maybe taking in everything that's going on around them. They just don't want to verbalize it yet. Um, and then also just a good way to increase that vocabulary with them um, is to read with them. We try to read with Lauren every day. Um, she's a big fan of books. Um, we, she can sit there for you know, 30, 45 minutes reading books. And just being interactive with her, pointing out things with those books. What is this? What is that? What does this do? And they'll get to the point that they, she, can, she can do it. She knows what this is. She knows what this animal is. Um, she knows how this works, and that's a great way to do it. And also being a good language model for them, um, especially at those beginning ages when they're just got that word and simple phrase, taking that and actually forming it into a good sentence for them, they can see that language structure. If your child is pointing, going bottle, 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 you say, oh, do you need your bottle? Putting it into a complete sentence for them, they can see how that all fits together. Now, as they get older and they really are learning how that language works, try not to be too specific on correcting the exact grammar. Um, Lauren liked, I, I want to do it with myself, is her big thing. Um, I want to do it with myself. And so we don't, she's going to get that, you know, I want to do it by myself, it's coming, but she's got that whole concept right there. Hey, Amy, let me yes, sure. jump in here. I just wanted to emphasize um, what Amy said about reading to your kids, um, given that I have, mine are now much older. Um, we really made it a priority from the very early stages of our kids, from the toddler years and up, to read out loud to our kids. And um, I can tell you that is one of the most important things that you can do um, as far as their education and so much that they learn. Um, we still read out loud uh, with the five of us together. And um, it is just a precious, precious thing. Um, just the community that we uh, that it builds on our family, um, the wonderful literature that we have shared together as a family, um, and, and at the early ages, you're just they're learning so much from you reading out loud to them, um, but it becomes more and more um, of just a, a special family time, and so I cannot emphasize enough just the importance of making that part of what you do, and not just mom. Um, Mom with the kids is great, but as a whole family, just we just love to just sit and read together. Um, our family's in Arlington, and we drive back and forth at, at least once or twice a week. And so we use that time to read. And it's just we laugh together, and we enjoy the stories together. And we'll get to the end of the book, and they're like, don't stop, don't stop. You know, and my oldest is 14, and he still loves it. And all three of my kids are great readers. Um, and the vocabulary that they have developed from being read to and hearing all the great literature um, is is worth every every minute that we've spent on books with them. So I just wanted to throw that yeah. in. And just to hook on what she said with the vocabulary development, um, that's what research shows. That is one of the most important things at this age is just vocabulary development. And the way to get that is to read to them. Go to the library. Um, pull out books. Go to half-price books. Do that. Do book exchange with some of your friends. Um, so they have new variety that they, that they can get. But that is just, like she said, is so important um, with that vocabulary. It gives them that heads up uh, when they start school that they already have that, that knowledge. And so when that teacher is talking about things, they already have things in their brain that they can hook that to. Um, and you want to be able to build that bridge with your child. And guys, that's something that 
you know, not only are we helping with the language skills at that time, that's just another great time to connect with your kids. Um, and I've always tried to be involved with the reading because really at a level now, these are books that I can read well. So Snuggle Puppy, I'm a huge fan of Snuggle Puppy. If you don't have Snuggle Puppy, you got to get Snuggle Puppy. But we'll read those books together. But something else that we've had a lot of success with is we got the little children's Bible that they use here at Watermark. And that's the little Bible that we use at home. And I know that Ginger and Amy can both tell you exactly which one that is. But we'll find out what lesson that she's just gone over for the week. And then those are the stories that we'll read through the week. So that's another great book to have in your, uh, in your collection. Mm-hmm. Now, some things you feel like your child may get stuck on a certain word. Um, obviously, a lot of times that is no. We get that a lot at our house. Um, we call Lauren when she does that. She's the no monster at that time. And just every question we ask her, it's no. It's no. No. What did you do today? No. Did you go to the park? No. And I know for a fact that she did. But she still likes to say that. It's not that big of a deal. Just help her kind of say, or your child, hey, Lauren, I think you did go to the park. Let's see. What did you do? Did you go down the slide? She, she still may say no, but going back and just kind of reviewing their day with them and it doesn't matter what kind of what response they give at that time um because she may go in and out of that phase of of being the no monster that she can that she can be and the last thing i wanted to highlight or the last two things is make-believe play um, that really starts at the early ages of um starting at one you'll see just little glimmers of that um and then by the time they hit two and three they can be full-fledged into that make-believe play uh, choosing a block for a phone, or if you're at the, the park, they may pick up some bark, and that's food, um, which is great. They're using their imagination. They're being creative. Uh, lots of times I come into the playroom, Lauren's dumped out a tub of books, and she's standing on top of it, and that's her stage, and she's um, singing songs and looking in the mirror, um, just that imaginative play. And just when you can be involved in that, it's such a sweet time to see their creativity that they have and their imagination. And as they're starting to learn new things, the, all the questions will come. Um, the, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? What are they doing this? And then you get the why questions. And we have just started into the why question phase. Um, and it's not just one why, it's three or four whys. Um, and we try our best to, to answer all of those. Because if you say, your child answers you and says why, and you ignore them, they're going to think, oh, well, they just not, they're not paying attention to me. I'm not, I'm not going to ask that question anymore. And you don't want that, your child to feel like that, even though you're tired, this is the 1500th time you've heard why. Um, but just trying to be patient with them and answer those questions as best as you can. And guys, a lot of times when they're asking why, believe it or not, as toddlers, they're genuinely interested in finding an answer. Now, they may want to really deep, dive deep into that answer. You know, mommy's going to the store. Why? Because we, she needs to get food so we can have food to eat. Why? Well, because the food gives us energy to go play. Why? Because playing builds muscle. You know, and I have fun with it. I usually get to about the third one, and you know, well, why do we need to build muscle? Well, our bodies are temples. What we do is we build these up, and it gives us a strength to go on. And usually after I ramble for a couple of minutes, she's like, mm, okay, I'm going to have to But have fun with it. But think about you. When you ask why, you want an answer. You know, how much did we hate the because I said so? Well, that's just not valid. I mean, why are you saying so? So give them a, give them a good answer. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about emotional, or uh, social, excuse me, social milestones. Click on over. And the big thing that happens here is just imitation of behavior. And so this is where that model comes in 
and they do what you do, not what you say, really comes into play. And so you have to be um, very careful about what your, what your child is seeing, what your child is hearing, um, kind of screening some things if your child watches some TV, really being careful about what that is because what they see on TV, they want to imitate also. So being careful with that. And they're also going to start being um, very enthusiastic about friends. And they want to have their same friends. And they want to name their names. And they want to be around them. And they may not interact very much with their kids, with the other kids that are around. And you'll see still lots of parallel play that's going on. Um, there may be a little bit of sharing some. It could be, oh, I want that toy and some grabbing that happens. Or I didn't even want that toy until she got that toy. Uh, that sorts of things happen. A good idea here is just to be um, kind of consistent about what service you go to. That makes that separation anxiety a little easier. But then when they know they have those same friends that they're going to see in that class and those same teachers, it makes it easier. They feel a little bit more secure with that. Now, again, like I alluded to with the, the sharing and the taking turns, it's going to take lots of lots of practice. But that doesn't mean when your child has a bad day at playgroup that you completely isolate them for the next three years until they have the sharing concept down. Um, they still need that, that interaction and that modeling and that playing with other kids is, is good development for them. And then the last thing we wanted to um, highlight is just those emotional milestones that happen. <clears throat> and one thing you see is that increasing independence that happens. They start off and they want to do it by themselves. They want to go over here, but then the next second they want to be with you again. So you have those, that mood swing back and forth and back and forth again. Um, and they're just kind of trying to assert their independence, but then they still are, are a little scared about that newfound freedom that they have and all the changes that are going on. So it's good to let them have as much freedom as, as they can, but then always being there for them to, to come back to and to have that safety net and that security there. Another thing that works really well here um, is just responding well to praise and affection. I talked about that earlier, um, that they really want to build up. They want to please you. They want them, uh, they want you to be proud of them. And so those high fives, those hugs, that's, that affection works so well at this age. But then also teaching them to, to not find their confidence in you, but to find their confidence in God. Um, just saying, you know, Mommy and Daddy are so proud of you, but God is proud of you too. You know, wanting them to find that confidence now, starting out, that they're not looking to the world for affirmation, but they're wanting to please God and to glorify Him. And guys, you all hear stories about the high school kid that had low self-esteem. You know, a lot of that self-esteem starts right now. I mean, I love it when Lauren will come home and tell me that she's swing on the swing at gym class or whatever, you know, and I'll praise her for that. You can't hug these kids enough. You can't give them enough high fives. No little kid thinks, I just got too much love as a kid. I mean, this is a great opportunity because right now they want to give you the hugs. They want to give you kisses at night. They want to, you know, noggin with the head. Be careful with the noggin. We, we pick that up. She'll noggin the heck out of you sometimes. But, you know, she finds joy in that. But that's fun. But you start that stuff now. We're already building the self-esteem that's going to be so important to her later. As Kyle mentioned, she's going to have that self-esteem. If we're doing what we need to as parents, that's being re reinforced, not taught and only done at church, but we're doing it at home as parents and then reinforced at church, 
that these kids have the confidence to stand up in the class and go, guys, I got another opinion on how this goes, you know, and, and mine's more biblically based. That self-esteem starts right now. And obviously the thing you see at this age is being self-centered. They think the entire world revolves around them. Um, they think how they feel, if they're happy, then everybody's happy. If they're sad, everyone's sad. Um, and so just knowing that expectations now that they, they don't know that they've hurt their, fe- their friends' feelings because they're happy that they got their toy. They're excited <laughs> right there. Um, and so they're just, as they get to kind of the end of, end of two and a half to three, they're starting to be able to have some of that sympathy. Um, they're starting to be able to know that there's some emotional consequences of, of joy, of, of sadness, of guilt. But that's, when you're starting out at one and one and a half, they don't know that yet. And so it's hard for you to, it's hard for you to teach them that because they're, just not, they're not developmentally ready for it yet. Um, and also, <clears throat> just setting boundaries and limits and, and routines here. Um, this is also when you set, set that boundary and you draw that line in the sand, um, they want that there. They want that safety and security, but then they want to challenge that. And so this is when you have the temper tantrums come. Um, we call them throwdowns in our house. Um, the yelling, the screaming, the crying, the hitting, the biting, whatever it looks like. Um, and so you'll see a lot of that happen, but they want that. So it's, you've got to keep that boundary there, that line in the sand, um, and help them work through that. And this is why this is here for you to be safe. And, you know, one of the things that we'll do with Lauren to kind of help her with those boundaries, you know, when we say it's time to come in from the backyard playing, as much fun as that is, it's time to come in. So we try to set her up for success. We give her kind of a one-minute warning. Hey, Lauren, we got to go in and eat dinner. We got one more minute. And then I did that for a while. And then when we'd go in after a minute, and I was generous, I mean, two, three minutes sometimes, because she's not wearing a watch. I'd take her in, she'd be mad. And I'd think, okay, well, what, what can we do? Well, Amy had a suggestion. Would One more minute, Lauren, how many more minutes do we have? And we'd get her to repeat back one more minute. Because a lot of times when you're telling them something, quite honestly, they're hearing blah, 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 Lauren, blah, 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 Lauren, blah, blah. So get them to repeat that back to you just like it would help us in the communication. It helps them to know that they've heard that and maybe understand it, but they've at least heard it. So yeah. set them up for success there. And that's a good skill to kind of start now as they get older. Um, it's just paraphrasing then those instructions that they have to make sure that they are understanding you um, when they get older and they can understand more. And uh, Lauren, you need to take your shoes and put them in the closet. What do you need to do? Take my shoes and put them in the closet. Okay? It's just one of the things to make sure that they are focused and listening to you. And one last thing they can start to do here is kind of regulate some of their emotions. So when they're sad or they're scared, they can start to learn some coping mechanisms for that. Um, like if they're still uncertain when mommy leaves, they can start to soothe themselves with words. Um, Lauren is scared of the trash truck. Um, it has a really loud noise, and so when she sees the trash truck or hears it, she puts her hands over her ears. That's starting to be her coping mechanism for that. It could be hiding their eyes, um, hiding underneath something. So they're starting to learn to be able to regulate some of those, those emotions that they have. And then, guys, what we want to do is give you some of the resources. Some of the resources that we'll use, that we use for some of the ideas that we had in here that have worked for us are, are out on the table that you can get. And then you've also got this list in your packet. Um, these are the resources that 
are here that we've used in a lot of book form. Ginger, do you want to tell them a little bit about some of the resources that are available through Watermark? Um, just to let you know kind of what happens with your kids in starting blocks. Um, starting in our orange classes, which are um, one-year-olds, one- to two-year-olds, um, we start at about the time they're about 18 months. We start with curriculum. Um, very simple. Uh, the teacher will read the Bible story each week to them, and then they'll have you know one, maybe two simple activities that relate um, back to the story. And then um, each year, the way our curriculum works is we have we've taken um, kind of the 52 what we call Bible biggies and these Bible stories, and every we cover each one of those stories every year, kind of in units. And right now we're just um, finishing up the Moses unit, so we'll do the Ten Commandments tomorrow. And um, and those 52 stories are repeated each year through starting blocks. So every year your child progresses, they're going to hear those stories, those same stories again. But we're going to come at it a little bit differently depending on their age and the activities that go along with those stories and reinforce those stories progress as your child progresses. So by the time they leave starting blocks, they really should have um, a good understanding of the main stories of the Bible. Um, And if you've taken at home and reinforced what we've done on Sundays, then they should have a really good biblical foundation. Okay, One of the neatest um, resources that we have for you to use that Amy mentioned earlier is the playbook. Put to, was a brainchild of our own Sarah Stellick here, and it's a wonderful resource that you can get by email, um, and it comes out every Sunday morning, so by the time you get home from church, you can see what the Bible story was, and just gives you some practical, fun activities that you can do at home with your kids during the week um, that reinforces what the story was on Sunday. Um, you'll also find in the Watermark News, there's always a little blurb that says what your kids, what the Bible story was and what our memory verse is for the unit. And um, so, and if you're interested in the playbook, you sign up on the Watermark website. If you go to the Contact Us page um, on <coughs> watermark.org, there's a link for um, mailing list sign up. You go to that, and then it'll ask you to put in your email address, and there's several different things you can sign up for, one of which is the Starting Blocks Playbook. Perfect. Thanks. And then another resource that you have, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, is the Building Blocks. It's our ministry that just provides help to the parents of young children and and works with them, and they have speakers, informal sessions that they have. They've got special events coming up. If you need any information, we're going to have a couple of folks here that can address some of those questions. And then one thing that they have coming up that's pretty cool is Saturday, August 15th from 10 to noon, anyone interested in building community with kids around the same age and find some parents that you can learn with and kind of tie yourself into, they're going to have a play link that's going to be up here. So if you have any questions on that, we've got some contact information here for you. You can come up and ask some questions on that. So. Those are also some of the resources that you have available. Well, guys, we've got a little bit of time before we're out of here. One of the things that we wanted to do is build in a little bit of cushion to help answer any questions. Like I said, I don't know that we have all the right answers, but we can kind of share with you what's worked for us and what hasn't worked for us. So, Amy, you want to kind of kick us off into that? Yeah, I mean, anything, we really didn't hit a lot on discipline. So if you all have questions on that, we can do it all the way from... You know, I have to put my child into a, a big bed. How does that look like? Um, 
or the sleeping habits or the eating habits or a, of a toddler, just kind of whatever is on your mind. And if maybe if we can't answer it, maybe some of y'all have had good experience with it. All right, guys, any questions? Yes. Do you know the exact title of the children's Bible? The title of it's the Beginner's Bible is the one that we use. And you can get that at just Barnes and Noble. That's where we got ours. All right, guys. Another question? Yes. Well, the truth is that our firstborn just gets the lion's share. Um, it's probably why firstborns are, tend to be the leaders in society. Um, my husband and I have had lots of those conversations about, you know, our poor third child. Boy, we didn't read to him. Like, you know? And um, so, that, so that's the one side of it. The other part is um, the, the swing side is God knows, too that it's just, it's harder when you have two and three, and if you have more than that, it gets even harder. Um, I guess my biggest encouragement is just keep working at it. Um, and if you're concerned, I've had conversations with parents who get concerned about, well, you know, now the standards are different because I expect more from my three-year-old than I do of my youngest one. And sometimes the three-year-old doesn't like that. Um, but you can build that you can build your child up in that as well. I mean, you can talk to them about, well, no, you're the older brother. And so you get to do more, but you also I expect you to obey more. You know more. You understand more. So you're the big older brother, you know, and to build that into them. Um, and, and you do have to learn, um, husband and wives have to learn more to divide and conquer um, I think our third was the hardest for us because all of a sudden they outnumbered us. Um, and that, that took some some development uh, in figuring out with us. So I'm not sure I have a perfect answer for you, just that what you're experiencing is exact, is completely normal. Um, and you won't have as much time to pour into your second one as you did to your first, just because there's now two of them and there's only one of you. Um, but God knows that. And so, you know, I've had moments where I've just prayed and said, God, I just feel like I'm not doing this right, you know, and, and asked for creativity. And he's provided that. And so and he also knows what each child needs and will use exactly where they are in your family to create in them exactly what they need for what they're going to encounter in life and what he has for them. So. Uh, that's a great question and one that we're definitely in the middle of. I'm going to repeat it, definitely. Um, the question was, what do you do about mealtime? I mean, you've got several of them, maybe at definitely different ages. How do you handle mealtime? Because, you know, they may just sit there and, you know, are they going to starve? I mean, what do I have to do as a parent to make sure that someone doesn't come take my child? And uh, am I feeding them enough? Are they going to make it? Can they truly survive on fruit juice? I mean, <laughs> these are questions you have. You know, and we faced the same stuff before. Um, AIM does a great job with dinner. Um, one thing to start off, I'll say, if you can at all possible, do dinner together. You know, as Kyle talked about, that's a big time for conversations to happen. You know, turn the TV off, sit together at a little dinner table. doesn't have to be anything fancy. And, and have dinner together. But as you're having that dinner together, you know, ways to kind of address that. We have tried the, I know she likes fruit, so she has to eat four or five bites first, 
and then she can have her fruit. Um, we've tried that. We've tried, um, again, with just kind of, I hate to use that reward system, but what do they like at the very end? And then if they try that, we make it point that she has to try everything that's on her plate. She has to literally put it in her mouth and eat it. Um, it's not put it in the mouth and spit it back out again. Um, so we try, we try that. Um, and it is, it can be very chaotic. And we're getting ready to enter the realm of two. And do you manage, because she's not quite feeding herself yet, how do you manage that one? Um, and sometimes I do feel like I have to pick up the fork and stick it and put it in her mouth and get the three or four bites that are in her. Um, and that's something, when I talk to my pediatrician about it, they're like, they're going to get what they need at this age. Um, and so if they're coming back to you two or three hours later or two hours later and I'm hungry, I'm hungry, then you've got to, you're, if you feed them there, they may, okay, well, I don't have to eat at dinner. I'll know I'll get something later on. Um, but if they're not ever coming back to you, then they may not be hungry that day. And Lauren's had days like that where I feel like she's eaten, you know, a bag of Cheerios and that's it. And that's where communication will come yeah. in a lot on your part, you know, making sure because Amy's had dinners before where we're sitting there eating. She's like, Lauren just won't eat anything. You know, Did y'all snack today? Well, we had some popcorn, and some trail mix, and we had some fruit chews. And we went Chick-fil-A. <laughs> she's like, okay, great. This is making sense. So you have to take all that stuff into consideration as well. But, you know, and sometimes it just takes feeding her. And sometimes, you know, that's kind of the fun attention she likes for the night. I know that she can put food on her fork and put it in her mouth, but it's neat when dad does it. Um, but, you know, they're going to get what they need nutritionally at this age. They're going to let you know. They're not going to go hungry, but... You definitely have to have some guidelines. And one thing that Lauren will even do with Lauren is if she's not going to eat, we still spend time at the table. So we don't leave the table until it's time for us all to leave the table. Um, that way, you know, usually even though she says she's done eating, if we're all spending time at the table and Amy and I are still eating, we'll notice she, you know, hits the fork. I know we had a question over here earlier. Yes, ma'am. Oh, um, we actually... Oh, um, How do we transition from the crib to a toddler bed or a big bed? We have just kind of made that jump right now. We waited for as long as possible to do that. Um, Lauren was actually getting out of the crib at about, so what, 12 to 18 months. She would fling her leg over and then, like, leap out uh, under the hardwood. And we weren't quite ready. I don't ready. know where she gets that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And we weren't quite ready to move her to a bed at that age, and so we actually got a tent and put it on, you know, one of those cat. It looks like a cat tent. Do you see those that go over to kind of protect them? And we we really built it up, and she loves her tent. She went um, to REI, talked about tents. Daddy set tents up in the backyard, <laughs> and then we got her her own tent. So that was easy. But yeah, we went actually to a taller, like a taller-looking size bed first, and that's what we're in now. And then we're going to transition into a big bed. Um, so we're kind of taking some little baby steps before we get to that main one. Um, we keep her, we tell her over and over again, Lauren, you have to stay in your bed. Um, and the first night we put her in there, um, we put her in there, you covered her up and everything. And Chris went back about 15 minutes later and she was like, lift on the bed. Like, <laughs> she had gotten out to go get something. Um, and we're a little bit more lenient on that. Um, you know, she's staying in her room. She goes back to her bed. I think that helps that she is older and she knows that expectation and she can understand that. Um, instead of, you know, a 
an 18-month-old is you know, continually wanting to waddle and banging on the door to get out. Um, she knows we kind of crack the window a little bit so she can kind of have her own time to unwind and read some of her books, and then she falls asleep. And it, work, it may be different from this next child. She may need a lot more boundaries with that, but that's what works well with her is for her to have her own wind-down time in her bed first before she actually falls asleep. Did that help any? We just, like, she's two and a half, or she'll be, she'll be three, and we just did it, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. And so the, it's, it's like that sometimes. Um, we usually go back in and, and, and check her at the, before we go to bed, and there's all these stuffed animals piled in her bed, and we kind of shift through and, and take them apart and then cover her back up again. Um, and that's just that, that expectation, I think, at this age. Yeah. As and far me, as checking with pediatrician, you know, hey, when do we need to move her out? You know, well, it, are her feet touching the end? Well, sometimes. Is her head touching the end at the same time that her feet are touching the end? No. Well, she's fine. You know, so it's going to be different depending on each child. One thing that we've found a lot of success in that some of our friends have actually done that we've borrowed the toddler bed from is instead of just taking them in there at night and, okay, here's kind of how you need to do this, stay in your bed, we practice during the day. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's practice going to bed. Okay, when do you get out of bed? When mommy and daddy come get me. Perfect. And we did this all throughout the day, just kind of some, some practice runs with it. And then at night, you know, it was a little bit smoother. Remember, going to bed, night, dark, there's a lot of elements there for a kid. So if you can set them up for success by practicing in the day, you being in there, praising them, then at night it's going to be more of a routine because you've already done it several times. Go ahead, Ginger. I was just going to um, throw something in here on, this is an example of um, just a thought I've had about this age, is realize that everything you're doing now is setting you up for something down the road. Okay. The work you put in to discipline and boundaries and structure, what those standards that you've decided in your home that are important, those lines you're drawing in the sand, will benefit you, or the lines you're not drawing in the sand will impact you down the road. Um, and the whole bed thing that made me think of it. We started very early with our kids when they were infants, putting them down to sleep awake so they knew how to put themselves to sleep. Um, and that was tremendously helpful when we went to a toddler bed and we could put them in. They knew the routine and putting them to bed and good night and we'll see you in the morning. They weren't used to being rocked to sleep and so all of a sudden this was a totally different thing. So that's an example with the bed, but that, I mean, that translates all through the eating things that you're going through, all these things that drive you crazy because it's so hard and they're pushing and it's difficult, they benefit you down the road. And, I mean, it was, it's wonderful having a five- and six-year-old that you, you do your bedtime routine and you hug them goodnight and goodnight and you walk off and you don't even think twice about what they're doing in their room or that they're not going to sleep or that you have to work with them to get them to go to sleep. And so it is worth all the work and all of those, all the things you're thinking through as to what holding those lines is really, really worth it. The great question. You know, uh, how do you handle the discipline, you know, especially, you know, and a lot of what happens with families is mom may spend more time with them. You know, so how does the dad play a part in that discipline? Uh, for us, we're both very involved with discipline. Now, Amy does spend a lot more time when I'm at the office, uh, but 
we go over that, you know, and, and we'll talk. You know, how did Lauren do today? You know, she did good. She got in trouble for this. And, you know, that gives me a chance to just have a quick little conversation. Hey, did we, did we mind Mommy today? No, okay. Do we, do we need to mind Mommy? Yeah. So although I might not be there for the initial, you know, discipline, be that what it is, you know, I get a chance to reinforce. And we're on the same page because this came earlier than I expected that I heard our daughter ask mom if she could do something in a room. And then at two and a half came into my room where I was and, and asked me if she could do it. And I had heard the answer and it did not match the answer she was wanting me to give. So at two and a half, they're starting to figure this out. So making sure you're consistent there. But you know, we both play a big part in the discipline. Um, being involved weekends when I'm home, if I've got the opportunity to be kind of the, the lead on that discipline while I'm there, I do take that. But we never want it to be a situation where, you know, you hear Cosby talk about, wait until your dad gets home, he's going to shoot you with a bazooka. I, mean, it, it, I didn't want dad coming home to be, oh, no, that man's coming home. This is going to be the end of my life. I, I didn't want to be associated with that. So we share that responsibility. Anything well, let else? Me, I was just going to jump in here. I completely agree with what Chris said. Uh, but there is something about discipline coming from dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are points, moms, and some of you will identify the, with this already, when it just needs to be from dad mm -hmm. because it, it holds more weight. Yeah. So um, dads, that is part of your role. And there are times where your wife is drowning and she needs you to step in and to be that person. Not that you want to be the scary dad as you come home, but just... Be, do it lovingly. Do it, you know, all the right ways. But your dad, and it just carries more weight. Mm -hmm. No question. Yeah. Great question. What does discipline look like at age one? Uh, yeah, it, interesting. Uh, it's still lots of redirection with that, um, and it's more of the boundaries you're setting are more for safety factors there. Um, than you know, blatant defiance that you get as they get older, um, and so I still remember lots of redirection and lots of consistency with that. Lauren had a thing with Lance's water bowl and would love to play Lance's water bowl, and so it was you know, Lauren, this is not not for you. And we we didn't say no. We we use not for Lauren. This is not for Lauren. Would she want to go touch the TV? That's not for Lauren. She wanted to open a cabinet. That's not for Lauren. And it is. It's that consistency, not for Lauren, 30 times a day, and then picking them up and moving them somewhere else with that. Yeah, time out to a one-year-old is just, hey, I can play over here just as easy yeah. as I played over there. So that's <laughs> yeah. kind of a tough concept. You know, we, you know, we've got a, you know, spanking, not spanking. You know, and that's kind of a decision that you have to make on your own. Biblically, there's nothing wrong with spanking your child. Um, I'd say if you get ready to do that and you're entering into that, make sure you're smart about it. You know, this is not a reaction. They've done something. You're extremely hot and angry. Now's the time to spake. Probably not the best time. So you've got to have some time to, to cool off. They need some time to cool off. You've got to discuss, you know, here's what happened. This is what happens. And, you know, we talk about Lauren having a happy heart. You know, when she doesn't have a happy heart, we have a happy heart adjuster that we use it, it you know, I was at Home Depot painting one day and looked at the little paint thing I was like well, this is like balsa wood this is light but you know the meaning gets across so I came home kind of sanded and I made myself a happy heart adjuster now we've got a bunch of them all over the place 
So yeah, plug for Home Depot there. But as we do that, we're always very cautious, and it's not always the appropriate time to spank. You know, sometimes it's taking a privilege away, or sometimes it's well, we can't do that, and we just have to discuss it, and they get that. So those are things you kind of have to think of. Amy and I on, yeah, put some stuff in place where it's. You know, we decided where we were really, what discipline items, you know, willful disobedience. You know, Lauren, don't go do that. And she touches it anyway. I mean, that, you know, willful disobedience. I mean, that's something that, yes, but. And we use what's more of what's called a break um, instead of a timeout. And it, it's more of waiting for them to have a heart change instead of just changing their behavior. And um, it starts out young, you know. And she has, she goes, she was, goes to a certain area, and she has her break. And when she's ready, she can come out, and we can, we talk about what was wrong. And it's not a break time to go play with other stuff in my room. Um, it's for her, her to calm down and her to start to regulate her own emotions instead of me saying, oh, you've got one more, you've got one minute, and then you're going to come out and you're fine. Well, it may not take one minute for her to be readjusted and to be able to come back out and play. Um, and just starting that now really helps. We um, One of the resources I put up there is a book called Good and Angry, and it really does a great job about talking about discipline and the different types of discipline. And a spanking doesn't always doesn't always work, and that's always the thing you, you use. You need to kind of have an arsenal of things, um, and talking about taking a break is a, is a great thing that we, that we have used with her. And just kind of changing that attitude, and that's what you want. You want a heart change and not just...